when we paid $50,000 after taxes towards my student loan debt and the principal went up $2,000, not only did I realize it was an impossible situation, I also realized that if I died when my student loans were still in effect, comma, they would die with me because I hadn't taken out any personal loans. But my daughter would have nothing for college, for being raised, for anything. So especially after talking with my financial planner at the time, we had a serious discussion about how much money I needed to put away for her. Because if I died, for her to have everything that I wanted her to have as she grew, whether it was parochial school or private school or an annual ski trip, which was important to my husband, things like that. For my sister to be able to raise her, she would have had to have moved to a new house so my daughter could have her own room. There were so many things to talk about. So the important thing for me was to learn quickly how to get my daughter's money matters in order. And that meant everything from making sure I had enough life insurance to take care of her should I die, and things like what would happen with her money when she was a teenager, even before that, how I would manage the money for what I needed for her childcare, and then after that, what would happen as far as college savings. So join us today for Kids Medi Matters, because the children's money definitely matters. Welcome to Single Mom MD. We bond together in this community to help single moms, both MDs and DOs, get the support we need when we need it. I'm Dr. Gail Clifford, and I'm here to help my colleagues have an easier time of it than I did. Enjoy the podcast and join us in the Single Mom MD community. receive information I think we can all use for my finance people. I pay attention. My daughter is now blessedly through her college and graduate school time, so it's important to me that I stay updated on how to best help you keep the money straight for your children, both from what I experienced and from what's available today. Because I do understand that the only way to work less is to, well, work less. That's not what we're about at this point. We want to work smarter, not harder, banking those minutes into hours we spend with our children. But what about summer? It's here. Can you really make your child's summer break a tax break? According to Edwards Ingram, you may be able to. They told me that as a busy working parent, I may be concerned about what activities are available for my kids this summer, and that there might be a solution that's also a tax break, summer camp. Using the child and dependent care credit, you can be reimbursed for part of the cost of enrolling your child in a day camp this summer. So to just know that to be eligible, you must be working, your child must be younger than 13, your legal dependent, and live in your residence for more than half the year. How much can you save? You can claim a minimum credit of $600 for one child or up to $3,000 in expenses, or $1,200 for two or more children on up to $6,000 in expenses. If your adjusted gross income is greater than $43,000. If your adjusted gross is less than that, the credit does scale up, but that's not likely to be the case for single mom physicians. The type of camp matters. The big rule is this is not meant for overnight camps. The credit is designed to help working women care for their children during the workday. Okay, really the credit is designed to help working people, but 
we're talking about single mom physicians. So it's helping us take care of our kids during the workday. So summer camps where kids stay overnight aren't eligible for this credit. Other than that, it doesn't matter what kind of camp. They can go to soccer camp, chess camp, summer school, or even a simple daycare. All of those are eligible expenses for this credit. But those aren't the only way to use the credit. While summer day camp costs are a common way to use the credit, any cost to provide care for your children while you're working may be eligible. For example, if you pay a daycare center, a housekeeper, a babysitter to take care of your child while you're working, that qualifies. You can even pay a relative to care for your child and claim the credit for that expense, as long as the relative is not your dependent, minor child, or spouse. This is just one of many possible tax breaks related to children and dependents, and it's important to keep up with them. I remember when my daughter was young, I wanted to hire, in my, hire her in my business. That reduced my taxable income, but by providing her one, she was able to start a Roth IRA. Done correctly, saving $5,000 a year as a teenager for seven years, put in the appropriate funds, and not touched for other things like, say, the first house, that money will grow to $1 million by the time she's 65. That's a nice retirement nest egg start, at least, from $35,000 earned as a teenager. But if you don't think to start young, how can you replace lost tax breaks for your growing children? According to my Edwards Ingram advisor, tax breaks drop dramatically as your children grow up, but you may be able to offset the losses with some timely tax planning. Consider the following tax events based on the age of your child. At age 13, there's no more dependent daycare credit. The minimum annual credit for the cost of caring for your children while you work is generally $600 for one child and $1,200 for two or more children when your adjusted gross income exceeds $43,000, but the credit is only available for children under age 13. The appropriate tax move here is, um, now that your child is a teenager, is to hire him or her to work at your business. Typically, the child will owe little or no income taxes on the wages and might even be able to claim an exemption from withholding or as I was talking about earlier, start the Roth IRA. At age 17, the child tax credit no longer is available. With that CTC, you receive a $2,000 credit, $1,600 of which is refundable for each child. Unfortunately, the credit disappears when the child turns 17. Remember, a tax credit is a dollar-for-dollar reduction in your taxes due. So if your child reaches 17, taxes will go up by the full amount of the previously claimed credit. The tax move here is to claim a non-refundable $500 credit for a dependent who isn't a qualifying child for the CTC. This is typically available to parents of high school seniors and college students. At age 29 or 24, if the kids are in college, it's goodbye kiddie tax. But there's good news. At 19, your child is no longer subject to kiddie tax rules unless they are a full-time student. In that case, they do stay eligible for another four years until a maximum of age 24. This means any unearned income like interest and dividends in excess of the annual threshold, $2,300 in 2023, is no longer taxed at the parent's usually higher tax rate. The tax move here, according to my financial people, is that as your child exits the exposure to the kitty tax, it may be time for a planning session with a financial planner. Long-held stocks with capital gains in a child's name can now be sold with little to no federal tax obligation. As you watch your your children grow up and begin gaining their independence, remember to plan ahead for changes to your own tax situation. 
because now that they're getting older, it's even more important that you have planned ahead. Getting the college savings portion straight, for example, when the children are young, makes a tremendous difference. It's the whole time value of money thing that, in a normal economy, saving money now will make a big difference later. So let's talk college funds. My finance folks sent out an email about a new college savings option. The primary goal is to get more saved towards college without reducing the need awards, basically your child's ability to qualify for financial aid. Beginning in 2023, the 529 College Saving Plan allows for the grandparents to open a 529 savings plan without hurting the student's ability to get financial aid. Do you know about the 529 College Saving Plans yet? They provide a way to contribute after-tax money into an account designated for a beneficiary, your student. The plan is controlled by the account holder on behalf of the student, so there's little risk that the funds won't be used as intended for education. As the deposits grow over time, any gains on the deposits are tax-free as long as they are used for qualified educational expenses. Even better, these funds can be used for both college and kindergarten through 12th grade qualified expenses. Funds not used for education will be subject to ordinary income taxes and a 10% penalty. Now, when I was off work at one point and my daughter was in private school, I was able to tap into her 529 to pay a year's tuition. That came in really handy. When I was stuck in bed for a year and the disability insurance refused to pay and my employer refused to allow me to return to work, I was in a real bind. It would have been traumatic for my daughter, already suffering from a brain injury, to have to change schools late in high school. Now, there are problems with 529s. While anyone can open a 529 savings plan for a future student, any time a distribution was made to a student from a non-parent account, that distribution used to be tra- treated as untaxed income to the child. Up to 50% of this distribution could impact the student's ability to receive other aids through the Free Application for Federal Student Aid, or FAFSA, application. On the other hand, if the account is in the parent's name, the reduction in aid eligibility is maxed out at 5.64%. The new opportunity it appears is that a grandparent, or potentially any non-custodial parent or friend, that's not quite clear, can open up a 529 savings plan without it hurting the future student's ability to get federal aid. In the eyes of the new FAFSA, um, this funding is now virtually invisible to them as they calculate a student's financial needs because they are no longer asking the question about the grandparents' contributions. So not only will the assets in the 529 account be ignored, but the distributions from the 529 account will also not influence the FAFSA results. Things to consider. If you are considering this option to help fund the ever-increasing cost of college, here are some considerations and ideas from my finance team. Number one, let the grandparents know of the change. Consider having your parents set up an account for the benefit of your child, their grandchild. Then put their gifts into the account instead of giving cash to your child. Remember, they can contribute up to the gift threshold limit each year, and that's currently $17,000 per person in 2023, or even more with special funding rules. No college? No problem. If your grandchild does not go to college and there isn't need to fund K-12 through education, you can change the beneficiary to another grandchild or family member. If you need to pull the money, remember that the original contributions are tax and penalty free. Taxes and penalties only apply to the earnings in the account that are distributed. Consider other applications. If the student goes to a private school, these grandparent contributions may need to be disclosed, so plan accordingly. Given the ever-increasing cost of college, now is a great time to have more money 
more advocates helping to save for future educational expenses. These extra savings could make Knowing that these extra savings could make a big difference in reducing your student's future debt obligations should be very, very, very reassuring. Anything that helps our kids ultimately helps us and makes our brain strain a little lower. So I am 100% in favor of it. With my own daughter, I did the bank of mommy and I gave her an allowance to teach her how to use money. With college expenses, I had saved up a lot of money before I left private practice, but she chose a really expensive school. And even though she did get a scholarship, that was what I, I called pin money. So it wasn't really enough to pay the tuition, but definitely gave her some spending money, which made a difference for her. But the big win, I think, was hiring her into my business. Not only did she provide an important value, and it is important to realize they must serve a purpose. You can't just pay them and say that they're working for your business. At five years old, they can be emptying the garbage can for you. At 13, they can be running your entire system as mine did. So she could make $50 an hour justifiably by working in my business, uh, Able Physicians, that I started in 2008. But saving that money and having it invested properly at $5,000 per year will make a big difference for her future. Now, I did, because of the school she chose and how quickly that $100,000 was spent at Pepperdine, basically $50,000 a semester for three semesters a year because of my daughter's brain injury. I chose to work two jobs, uh, 1.75 FTE, for several years when my daughter was in college. I did this at great expense to myself. It was exhausting. I was in a lot of pain from a prior motor vehicle accident but I didn't really see another option because of all of her expenses, especially with the accommodation she needed for her brain injury that I had to pay for, especially when she went to school overseas. But working those two jobs and paying the $1.3 million for her schooling in real time made a big difference in making sure that she was going to be free of the burden of student loans. It did impact my ability to save for myself, but protecting my daughter has always been my first priority. So make sure you make a plan, talk to your finance people, determine what's the most important thing for you, and then maximize any of the benefits available through the government, through your employer, and through any other way that you find so that you and your children remain protected financially forever. I'm Dr. Gail Clifford, and I look forward to hearing from you with questions and comments about this and future podcasts. Join the Single Mom MD community by clicking on the link below. We welcome you with regular engagement and personalized attention to your specific questions. When you think of additional topics you'd like covered on this podcast, contact me via social media at Single Mom MD.